flipping over my notes because that ain't going to work. <laughs> um, no. That's all right. I did feel like the Lord said to me this morning, follow me. So uh, I don't mind following him as he leads. It's been so good to uh, just have him. You know, he's here every Sunday. But like anybody else, you can show up with someone and there's a, there's a, you know, they meet somebody and they're there, or there's other times when they're there, you know, and the Lord has just been here in a special way. Thank you, Lord. Um, yeah, I did. I was actually walking in this morning, and um, I like to walk down on, on Sunday morning. It gives me, from my house, it gives me about 15 minutes to spend the time with the Lord. And, and, and I, I just usually go to prayer, so I went to, I started to go to prayer, and the Lord, I felt like, was like, no, I needed to stop praying. I needed to just listen. And, you know, he began by saying that to me, this is the day that I have made, and uh, will you rejoice and be glad in it? And, and so it's great to just trust that the Lord, you know, if the Lord want, was waiting for us for this morning. He was waiting for us to come and make a place for him to come and join us, for him to move upon us in a unique way this morning. I believe that we can put this date which is interesting because you know the date? 02022020. We should be able to remember that, that this date marks something because the Lord moved upon this fellowship. And um, I just want to continue. I know we've already prayed through that, but I, it's okay to just sit in that for a moment and recognize that. And let's remember that. Let's hang on to that. You know, um, it's a lot of other things today too, right? It's uh, Super Bowl Sunday, it's uh, Groundhog Day, <laughs> but it's the day that the Lord moved upon Wellspring in a special way today, we want to remember that, amen, thank you, Lord. Uh, so, Lord, I just also want to ask that you would help me now um, to use this time the way you want to, to lead us. to condense what I was going to share into the time we have left, but Lord, to not leave anything out for what you want to release on this morning. And we pray in your name. Amen. Yeah. Well, I, wanted to, I want to take a look at uh, what we've been spending the last month talking about stepping into this year of, of, of 2020 and, and how the Lord has led us over the last number of months to believe that, that he is uh, stirring up old and and callings that he had upon Wellspring, and he has upon Wellspring, that we still are to carry those, and that we are to uh, step back into some of the, the vision and the calling upon Wellspring. And we've been focusing a lot, and, and Kevin's done a great job of unpacking the, the catalyst for renewal and revival as, as the, the banner of our of a vision statement, you know, that we are to be a catalyst for renewal and revival. And I just want to spend a little bit more time, one more Sunday on that, not to continue or not to repeat what we've been saying but, but I, I felt like there was a piece of it that I, that I wanted to share with you. You know, one of the ways that, one of the things when we talk about catalyst, you know, it's not a word we use a lot, right? And so, so we just kind of, we can easily be, be careful, careless with that word. And it can sound like motivation or inspiration. You know, I, wanna, I want this to happen and I'm going to stir this to happen. And, and really catalyst, what we mean by that and what we believe the Lord is calling us to be is different than just being motivational or inspirational. Look, we know what we believe and we need to, we need to, to push that forward and, and break forth in, in the kingdom. But there is a difference. 
motivation to motivate is really to provide a reason or a cause to act. Right? I want to motivate you to to act. Or I want to provide a reason. I want to encourage you to do that. And inspire is is to influence you or to arouse you to to act. But a catalyst causes the action. It just doesn't inspire you or motivate you to. It actually causes the action or accelerates an action or a reaction. And that's really different because I can, I can really encourage, encourage you, but, but if, if what we are to be is something that causes reaction, causes an action, causes an activity, that's a catalyst. And I'm not trying to just play with semantics, but I think there is a difference. And I want to talk about the power and the effect of catalyst, of what the Lord is calling us to. Not that we just want to claim this name for ourselves. We want to be a catalyst, but that the Lord has said, I want you to be, and I'm anointing you, and I'm calling you, Wellspring, to be a be catalyst for renewal and revival. That not only that you would encourage that in the world around you, but where you go and how you, are, how you live and what you do is catalytic. It releases something. It causes a change. And... Um, I, as I was thinking about this, I thought, well, what's the greatest catalyst? What's the greatest catalytic power? What's the greatest catalyst? You know, you could think about, you know, splitting an, an atom, you know, and, and, and all that happens in, in an atomic reaction or, or, or a nuclear reaction. And, and no, I'm not a scientist. I just know that something microscopic creates an event that is cataclysmic. But I thought, you know what the greatest catalyst is, the greatest catalyst of all is the Word of God. The Word of God, because anything else catalytic has to come along something and make a change. But the Word of God, when the Lord first spoke, nothing nothing existed, and in His Word, He created something. It was so catalytic that He could make something happen out of nothing. Not just the spoken word, but the word, the essence of God. In the beginning, God created the world. The, the world. He spoke it into existence. We know that. And, 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 and then, so, so I'm just going to condense a lot of things here in the time that we have left, okay? So stay, stay with me. So, so, that, so the word of God is catalytic. And the greatest catalyst is when he creates the world. But then he recreates through Jesus. Because the word became flesh and dwelt among us, it says in John chapter 1. So now the word that is the greatest catalyst now is in the form of Jesus in the flesh and is dwelling with us on the earth that he's created. Because the earth is not, we have walked uh, in brokenness away from the Lord, and he says, I, I want what I originally intended, and I release the word now in the flesh, in the body, in the person, in the spirit of Jesus. The word became flesh, not just the words of Jesus, but the word, the essence, the power, the authority became flesh and dwelt among us. And that's what Jesus brought. And he, so he then now is the greatest catalyst when he's walking, because the greatest catalytic power is the word of God. Now he is the word in flesh dwelling in our midst. So he came, and that's, that's the other thing about a catalyst. You have to get close. You have to get connected. You have to get present and that's what the Lord Jesus did, didn't he? He became directly involved in our world. He became directly involved. He brought, brought the catalytic power of God into this world. So it's just like a chemical reaction or a cultural catalytic event. We can't just sit side by side. We have to 
connect. And there has to be that intimacy. And that's what Jesus came. He came to be involved in our world to bring that very power. The second thing he did also was to be a sacrifice. Because the catalyst, if you think about it, is often in chemistry, the catalyst is nowhere to be found after the, after the catalytic event happens, after the chemical event happens. The catalyst is nowhere to be found. Either it didn't get changed or it's actually consumed in the process. And the end result is not the catalyst. The catalyst sparks what the end result is. And that's kind of hard to, to accept. Um, we were praying a, a while ago, and, and there was someone who said, you know, I don't really like the word catalyst because, you know, I, that gets lost in the process. I, you know, I want to be part of the end picture. I'm like, hey, I want to be part of the end picture too, but, but don't undervalue. I don't want to undervalue a call that the Lord has called us to be a catalyst because Jesus was a catalyst, and he sacrificed his life. In fact, when we were talking last fall through the uh, I Am series, and Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, I'm going to read these verses for you again. He says, the thief comes only to steal, to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and life to the fullest. I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. He didn't say, I'm the good shepherd, and I'm going to be king, and everybody follow me. We know that there is a fulfillment of that in, in the latter days. But for now, Jesus said, I will sacrifice my life, that you will have life and have life abundantly. And later it goes on to say, the Father loves me because I sacrificed my life. No one takes it from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. So for a catalyst, Jesus was the ultimate catalyst because he wasn't going to hang on and cling to his very life, but he actually laid it down for us. And that's what happened on the cross. On the cross, we know many powerful things happen because that catalytic event happened at that point. If you think of that cross, Jesus dying on the cross, it's like that reaction in, in a nuclear explosion, all that happens as a result. I mean, there were some things actually that happened in the earth, right? Things that happened when Jesus hung on the cross. Do you remember those couple of things? We kind of bypass them. Somewhere we don't highlight those. But an earthquake happened. An earthquake happened. The whole ground shook. It was dark for three day, three hours. It was dark for three hours. No one's ever heard of a uh, three-hour eclipse, right? And I've, had, I've read scientists trying to explain how a three-hour eclipse could happen. None of it matters, whether they're right or wrong, or it's just it doesn't matter, you know. We don't have to explain it because a catalytic event, catalytic event was happening that moment as Jesus was dying on the cross. It said also that after he died and the earthquake happened, the graves were opened and dead people came out and were walking around. You thought about that? Dead people were walking around. What are they wearing and how long have they been dead? And where are they going and what are they saying? I mean, the whole place is shook at Jesus dying on the cross. But the fourth thing that happened that recorded in the scripture is, I think, the most significant, and that is the curtain between the holy place and the temple and the holy of holies was ripped in two. And Jesus, at that catalytic event, brought two worlds crashing together. The kingdom of God, which had been restricted to the presence of God in the holy of holy place because of our sin and our brokenness, could not we could not have the holiness of God in our presence without us being killed. And so once a year, the, whole, the, the priest, the, whole, the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies and still with much ritual preparation and cleansing. But now the curtain was ripped in two. So now we, through the righteousness of Christ, 
can go into the presence of the kingdom of God, right? And equally, the presence of God could come into our world. Was no longer restricted because of the the righteousness of the act of, of Christ, not restricted from being in our presence in fullness. The rip of the curtain brought two worlds clashing together in this catalytic event. Now, why am I saying all this? Because there's a third installment. On the third day, the morning that he was raised from the dead, the tomb was empty. We know the story. Mary Magdalene goes. She finds the tomb empty. She tells a couple of the disciples. They have not seen him, except Mary sees him in the the garden. But the rest of the disciples didn't see him. That evening, they are in a room in Jerusalem behind a locked door because they're afraid of the Jewish leaders who have put Jesus to death, that they were afraid that, that they were subject to that same venomous spirit that was, was, was working in, in, the, in the leaders at that time. And Jesus appears to them inside the locked room. And Jesus says, peace be with you. This is in John chapter 20. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, this is the first thing he says to them. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The very day he was resurrected, he released the greatest catalytic power in the world, in creation, beyond creation, that come from the word of God, creating the world. The word of God now made flesh in Jesus, dwelling amongst us, is now breathed upon us that it may indwell us. And in that very day, in that very significance of what happened on that resurrection weekend was that he imparted the greatest catalytic power to the believers in Jesus. That's the catalyst, the greatest catalytic power. So I'm not talking about, we're not talking about when we talk about being a catalyst for renewal and revival as a church, that that is a call. It's not talking about us becoming great, us becoming big, us becoming significant, and having motivational and inspirational times. It's saying, do we know, God is saying, do you know that I have placed the greatest power of, ca- of power and authority, the catalytic event, the catalytic power in your being, in your essence, in your community, and I want you to use that for renewal and revival. Not because you can make it happen, but because you carry it and you bring it to where you go and you release it. And what happened this morning, I believe the Lord gave us a taste of what he wants us to do, which is to come before him, worship and prayer, which is one of the phrases that we're going to talk about. How do we become a catalyst for renewal and revival? We're a house of worship and prayer, a priority of worship and prayer as a community together. That is one of the ways. And we experienced that this morning. And we stand in that place of worship and make declaration. Not because we're going to influence heaven but because we're coming in agreement with heaven, with a, with a catalytic power that's been placed in us, and we release, this, release it into the world that we are living in, into our lives, into our families. I'm just really holding back because I'm just, I mean, I just, I feel this so strongly.
Sure, I'm trying to inspire, and I'm trying to motivate us this morning. But I want us to get the truth that what we carry can change the very world that we want to see changed. And many of us can say, look, I've been praying, and, and, I, and I, I just don't seem to have that same power. You know, I don't seem to have that same effect. I don't seem to see, I, I pray for things, and they don't happen. And, and, you know, you say I carry the kingdom, when we talk about that all the time. I, I don't feel like I carry the kingdom. I don't feel like I carry hope. I don't feel like I carry love. I come into places, and, and I still have battles. I still have struggles in my relationships, or battles at work, or, or, or I pray for the sick, and, and they, they don't get well. And, Hey, guess what? That's why the Lord is bringing his catalytic event into us because the world needs us to release that and not to measure it by what we see happening, but but to know in agreement with him, as we sung, even if we don't see him working, we know that he is working. And we we have to embrace the faith that says there is something in us. It's not about how good I am or what I've done right. The first thing Jesus said to his disciples when he raised from the dead was, now go, I am sending you just like the Father sent me. And he breathed on us to receive the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is no less the power of that word of God than what was in Jesus. I know you're not God. I'm not God. I'm not Jesus. You aren't either. But we do carry the same power of his kingdom because he says this is the way that this world is going to be saved. This is the only way that this world is going to be saved. And we joke around. Kevin and I think just a couple weeks ago you were joking around like, hey, Jesus, I could come up with better plans. You know, this is the plan you have is for you to put yourself in us. I believe that it's the plan because I believe and and you would agree that it's the only way. It's the only way because the world did not get dark from the outside. The world got dark from the inside when we separated our hearts from his heart. And the only way to bring light back into the darkness is not from the outside in, but from the inside out. So when we embrace the spirit of God within us, we welcome the Holy Spirit in us. Then we release that to ourselves, but then to the world around us. We are catalysts for his kingdom. And this world needs his kingdom to come and break in. And just like it broke in that first night when it ripped the, the curtain was ripped in two when Jesus hung on the cross, there is no reason. There is fact that it's only in the lies and the, this, uh, the questions in our own mind that limit us from believing that what we carry into the world around us. Lord, Lord, you entrust us with so much. And we don't even think about it. Today's just another day. We just got up and went to church. I understand. I've lived thousands of days. You've lived thousands of days. You just kind of get up and you go. But this morning was a day that the Lord created. And he said, this morning, I want to release something in you and through you at Wellspring. This morning, you came here and you just showed up and you sat in your seat. But I'm telling you, the Lord has purposes. The Lord has a purpose for this morning. The Lord has a purpose for you. The Lord has a purpose for this place. The Lord has said, will you step back into the calling I have called Wellspring to be? And that is to be a catalyst, not just a motivator, not just an inspirator, but a catalyst from the power of the word of God. Indwelling us, living within us, 
It's not always going to be easy. One last verse I just wanted to share with you quickly, and then we're going to come to the communion table. You know, we, we began this year by, by using these verses from, from Luke that Jesus quotes from Isaiah 61. So when Jesus began his public ministry, he came into the synagogue in, in uh, Nazareth where he had been raised. He turned the scroll in Isaiah and he said, these are the, ver- these are the words, and he read them. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he sat down and and everybody was amazed at the power and the authority in which he spoke. But you know what happened if you read the next 10 verses of that same chapter? All of a sudden, these people said, wait a minute, isn't this Jesus who grew up as a boy here? This was in the same setting, the same setting. He said, isn't this Joseph's son? He's just a carpenter's son. They started to question him. And within no time, the questions became accusations. And then the accusations became wrath. And they took Jesus out and they took him to a cliff and they were going to throw him over the cliff to kill him. This is the first day of his public ministry in the home church where he grew up in the synagogue in Nazareth. Now he slips through the crowd and that doesn't happen. The reason I'm saying that is it's not going to be easy. We're not like, hey, we're a catalyst. Woo! It's all going to be fun. It's a, it's, it's a big calling. It's a big invitation. It's a place to stand in faith even when you don't see things happening around you. It's a place to stand in hope against the hopelessness of this world. It's a place to stand with joy when you don't feel the joy but you know that the presence of the Lord is a joy in the fullness of it. It's the place where we can stand and be catalysts. It'd be easy to just wait for God to do it. But you know what? He has done it in the only way possible. And that is to say, will you be a catalyst just like I was a catalyst? I sent my word into my flesh and dwelt among you, and now I'm putting it in your flesh. And we get to be the catalyst for the kingdom of God. There's so much more that we could say about this, but I, I, I just, I wanted to hopefully catch the, con- the condensed version of what I wanted to say here today. And we're going to come to the communion table because I still feel that this is the important way to affirm this. So I'm going to ask the band to come on up at this time. And uh, usually when we come to the communion table, we approach communion personally. And that's very appropriate, right? It's very appropriate to approach uh the finished work of the cross, and remembering that for us personally because we are saved through that. But this morning, I'm going to ask us as Wellspring to come as a family of God, come as a shared body that says, I'm going to remember what you have done by dying on the cross, laying down your life, shedding your blood, because in so doing, you have also brought that power and authority to all who believe. And we want to embrace this as a church. I feel like this is the perfect way to seal everything we felt this morning in worship and in the prayers and in the declarations and what I've shared here this morning. We want to say, Lord, we will be your catalyst. So I'm going to invite those who are going to serve with me to come on up here um, and um, 
I know I've been kind of on a fast track here, a fast one, but stay with me. I'm glad that you're, you're connecting. Um, most importantly, stay with what the Lord is doing in your heart. 